Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Folly Engineer. And I don't know Folly very well, but he comes very highly recommended uh, by a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours named Charles Rubio, and the two of them live down in Houston, Texas. And Folly originally is from Pakistan, and uh, I will let him introduce himself a little bit, and then we'll proceed with the interview. So. Bali, um, if you would, please tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in Houston, what your background is, uh, and, and so on. Okay. Well, by birth, I'm a Zoroastrian, which is a very small minority now, but in the long past had huge empires with a head capital in Persia. One emperor, Cyrus the Great, is mentioned in the Bible, and he was a Zoroastrian emperor who released the Jews from captivity in Babylon and helped them to build their temple and their prayers contained his name all the time since that time. Huh. But now, after Islam came into Persia, a few of us migrated 1400 years ago to India and now we are scattered all over the world, under 200,000. I was educated in South India, but worked all my life in Pakistan mm -hmm. and retired in America to join our two of the three children we have here. Mm -hmm. In between, I became a teacher of Transcendental Meditation in 1975 mm -hmm was the national leader in Pakistan until we left in 1957. I'm also a member of the Theosophical Society since 1966 mm -hmm. and at present I'm the president of the Houston Lord of this society mm -hmm. which has branches all over the world and the world headquarters is in Madras, Kenai at present. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, that's a nice overview. Now, you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and you mentioned that it, in your tradition, it's not really customary to talk so much about oneself in explaining spiritual concepts and so on. So I respect that. And Charles says that you have a great deal of, um, a great many interesting things to say about a number of topics. So one underlying question I may have as you speak is, well, how do you know this? Because, you know, the, there are so many philosophical books and any of us could read philosophical books and then repeat the concepts and so on that are in those books. And, you know, many concepts, of course, make a lot of sense to us intuitively. For instance, reincarnation makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, it, it kind of on a, an intuitive level, it just, it fits, it feels right. But I don't know it uh, through any sort of direct experience that, I, that I'm aware of. You know, so as you tell us things, as we conduct, as we go through this interview, I'd be interested whenever possible to have you tell us how you know what you're saying, rather than just stating philosophical uh, ideas. Actually, we could talk a lot about the so-called ancient wisdom and all the things. But I want to really voice my alarm at a certain situation which is around the corner want to raise the attention 
of the causes of that situation and why it will not be resolved unless we understand the underlying reasons for the phenomena we see the world over of unrest and discord. Mm -hmm. And I like to elaborate somewhat on that area. Yes, please, that sounds interesting. So what is that you the alarming thing that you see just around the corner? What I perceive is because we have got instant access to news and there are six billion people theoretically have this access, at least half the world's population, three billion. So what's happening is when an event takes place anywhere in the world, billions of people are looking at it and reacting to it simultaneously. Now that reaction is not localized where that person is sitting. But we know that consciousness is non-local and thoughts and emotional energies are like waves that go out into space. So when billions of people are watching one event, it's causing them to react emotional and mental energies. What we are getting is really a wave of those energies radiating out in the whole world. And because of the content of those energies, we absorb it unknowingly. What happens is we utilize or somehow have that energy reflected in the way we act in our local situation. Mm -hmm. What we find here recently is unexpected behavior which was not anticipated or understood in the past. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm giving is not because the people suddenly became what they seem to be, but we cannot help but absorb those waves, colossal tsunamis of emotional and mental thought patterns that are now saturating the whole world because millions of people are reacting to one event simultaneously. Let's take a couple of examples. So for instance, we had 9-11, we had the tsunami in Southeast Asia, we had you know, Hurricane Katrina, so there have been some big events which kind of shocked the world, you know. Can you tell us like, you know, how you see those events having rippled out into the collective consciousness? I want to go a little deeper than that even. Okay. When we absorb these unknown energies, like an x-ray, I don't know if an x-ray is passing through me just now, I don't know it, because that's the nature of the x-ray. Right. Similarly, emotional energies is causing a polarization in the world, because mm. one group looks at it in one way, millions, equally millions look at it opposite, and both the energies are up for grabs. Uh -huh. So, we absorb one portion of it which fits with our attitude, an equal number absorbs the opposite value and we see polarization at all levels here and people are grumbling that system is broke and this doesn't work. But the real reason is hmm. that we are saturated with an energy which we cannot control. Huh. Lack of control that I want to play more on, but I'm giving the source of this is not local. It is global, mm. but played out locally in local issues because that's the only way I can reflect my consciousness locally. Yeah. But force is not local and this is something that's not going to go away because we have got so many hot spots in the world 
and we conveniently think that the problem there should be dealt with there and I can go on with my life. But that's no longer true because as I said, the reactions to the hotspots are generating waves of emotion that we have we are absorbing because it's right there passing through us all the time. So I want to play a little about understanding the reasons why this present we feel things are not in control mm -hmm. is simply because we don't have the capacity to cope with those energies. Mm -hmm. We are in the infancy of our evolution of consciousness. Mm -hmm. That is the reason. And if I am in the infancy, then the tools I require to cope with what's happening are not sufficient and we create problems, not because we are bad or want to willfully create difficulties, but being juvenile in our understanding of events, we take action that is not proper or not sufficient and we create more problems. And this is simply because we are infancy of consciousness which is the source of evolution. I could say a few words, why we are in the infancy, we seem to be all grown up and physically very complete. The reason is that a human being is only one-fifth or one-sixth physical. There are five or six other energies that animate him which are non-physical. In the modern, because we are in the infancy, I am very many physically conscious, but I am totally unconscious of the very powerful energies that are animating me and everybody which is not physical. And because my attention is not on that physic non-physicality of my composition and the energies I absorb are non-physical, I have no way of handling them or understanding them or controlling them. And when things go out of control, we see what's happening. Irrational actions, behavior is normal now because we are infected with energies of which we have no control or knowledge. When you say we are in the infancy of our evolution, I presume you would acknowledge that there's a kind of a spectrum and, and on that spectrum some people are fairly advanced in their evolution and some people are, are not and perhaps the people who are more advanced are better able to process these energies or incorporate them into their awareness. Yeah, I'm just thinking, there are people who are warning us, who have warned us down the ages in mm -hmm. fact, but when we talk of infancy, we are talking of the normal numbers. The average, yeah, yeah. Our authority which dominate the trends are in the infancy of the ev human evolution. Mm -hmm. Even Darwin now to take, he's supposed to be the father of evolution, mm -hmm. but all he talked of was the physical evolution. Right, he wasn't talking about spiritual so much at all. He it to explain the future of our humanity is not going to be physical because we reached the limit of that physicality mm -hmm. and we will go in other directions. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that the present moment we have a capacity less than the demand. Right. So we struggle with life. And when like a person is poor financially, they struggle with their finances and they create a lot of stress in themselves. And we see the stress just now in this present recession. 
we are people say life is a struggle not realizing that because they didn't mobilize the capacity sufficiently to overcome the difficulties it appears like a struggle yeah and when there's the struggle the weak go under and the strong come up on top because it's a struggle mm -hmm. it's like a battle so i'm saying that we should understand that these energies that have been unleashed globally have to be understood how to manage them otherwise they will keep on harming us and really the future will depend on our understanding of the source of our difficulty is not local but global so would you say that the most obvious symptom of what you've been describing is polarization because there is there is a great deal of polarization. I happened to have the good fortune of meeting President Obama yesterday. He came to Iowa, and oh, I, yes. I went to the event and I got to shake his hand. And I said, "We love you. Don't let the turkeys get you down." And he said, "There's a lot of them out there. They keep on gobbling." And yes. <laughs> it was a very charming experience. But you know, the the thing I the reason I mentioned him um, is that I have some friends who are kind of conservative right-wing friends and they think that Obama is just the, the most radical socialist guy that's just going to completely yeah. destroy the country and then I have left-wing friends who say oh he's just another George Bush he's sold out you know he, he's, he's, he's just as conservative as Bush. and it's so ironic that two people can see the same man as completely yeah. different they are feeding off different energies unknown to them they think that they are thinking it out in their minds Mm -hmm. But they are infected with this global energy of which is not going to end, or not going to stop, or not going to be cut off. So we have to, unless this is understood, we are going to compound up the polarization. And what happens with polarization, the system envisages to run the country is not found adequate. The founding fathers never envisaged the situation where there will be such a polarization that people will take the law into their own hands. Mm. That is one symptom of extreme polarization. When you don't get results, you will take do things in your own way. And that's not what this country was founded on. But to go in that direction, unless we understand, and I have some ideas about that also, but I'm giving the real reason of why this phenomenon is occurring locally, uh -huh. the cause is global. It's interesting, when I first met Maharishi myself in 1970, he talked a lot in a way that you're talking now. He, he said, you know, he, he used the phrase survival of the fittest a lot. He said, we have to be fittest. And he said, the times are, the pace of life is increasing. And he said, you know, if you have a big load and, the, and a donkey has to carry the load, there are two things you can do. You can either lighten the load or you can strengthen the donkey. He said, you know, it's not likely that the load uh, that we're confronted with in our world is going to be lightened, so we have to become stronger. I, I had some ideas, but I'm giving the real reason of our present problem is deeper than we think. Uh -huh. And as we wake up to that, what needs to happen, to be very frank, is we've got to, let's face it, every sixth person in this world happens to be a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Statistically, I, I mean, I'm just saying statistically. Right. And a Muslim, the real core of the religion is based on brotherhood, mm -hmm. actually. Leaving aside all the other ceremonies and theory, brotherhood. So in the brotherhood, each one will 
take up for the other come what may. And we see this. So this lack of attention to this group is causing us difficulty everywhere. So are you okay? saying that their, their principle is brotherhood with other Muslims or brotherhood with everyone? Well, that is what they want. Everybody becomes a Muslim, then the world will be one brotherhood. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, happening, but down the road, expect it to happen when all other systems fail. Right, and the Christians expect the same thing, and probably some yes. other groups expect the same thing. We are talking of one in six inhabitants who have not been adequately understood and approached properly, and to some extent, those waves we are talking about polarization is coming from that camp also. Uh -huh. And that is then available to us as we are defenseless because we are not, we are poor in the currency of life which is consciousness. And when I am poor in the currency of life, I am defenseless at vulnerable areas. And physically, the nation is prepared to attack, to defend, but it's very vulnerable in the non-physical consciousness which is really the powerhouse of the physical. Mm -hmm. And it's the non-physical area that we have been unaware, taken unaware, ambushed, and we are playing out what is the result of that ambushes. Our attitudes, our actions are not conducive to good for the majority. So I could ask you at this point for what you feel the solution might be, but perhaps you'd like to lay this out even more before starting to talk about yeah. how to yeah, solve it. Yeah, I'd like to lay out more. Yeah. This infancy, what's the implication of being infants? You know, we're not children in the physical sense of the word, mm -hmm. but children in the currency of life, which is consciousness. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is, science that we have today is catering mainly to the physical side of knowledge, physical laws, research, and people are somehow taken up that science as a present formulated is the panacea for the future. Mm -hmm. And it's not, because the parameters do not take into consideration energies that are beyond their instruments. Mm -hmm. So those are the energies that cause the physical discomfort. Mm -hmm. There are laws of karma that say that if you have a great disaster, physical, like an earthquake. Mm -hmm. Now, scientists will say it's caused by the movement of the plates and then this energy was released. Right. But the ancient wisdom says that the physical, this tragedy there, cataclysm, was built up over a long period of time by the dynamic power of human thought and emotion. Human energies which are discordant when we are stressed, every thought is not orderly, millions are on the same feeling that over time it shows itself and you get the catastrophe. So these catastrophes origin is non-physical. Our health proves that. So when I'm angry and upset and stressed, it shows physically. And the reason why it shows physically is that we have the etheric body that is the link between the physical and the non-physical. Mm -hmm. The science cannot verify because it cannot be instrumentally measured. Mm -hmm. It's a reality. This etheric body is what gives us the vitality from the sun absorbed through the etheric 
The chakras that we talk about are in the etheric body only, it's not in the physical body. So the etheric body is the basis on which our physical is concreted. And when the etheric body is incapable of absorbing vitality, the physical dies. Death is the difficulty in absorbing vitality through the etheric. Mm. So if we strengthen the etheric, we will immediately get the help that we are looking for. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mentioning that the infancy we are in evolution focuses not on what is causing the difficulty, we are repairing the problem, but it shows up in another area mm. and shows up in another area. So this is the real reason why we can't cope with the problems that we find all around us. Mm-hmm. And especially now with the polarization, the instantaneous access to information, the internet and blogging, it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. We have to understand how to meet that challenge. Yeah. I have no under I have no problem accepting the what you just said about the etheric body and so on. But you know, and Maharishi also used to talk about earthquakes being due to collected stress in the uh, in the collected consciousness. But I mean, I have a little bit harder under time understanding that because the the fact is there are you know tectonic plates which are floating on a molten core and and they do inevitably move and pressures build up between them and earthquakes. Whether or not there are people on the Earth, there would be earthquakes uh, because these plates are moving around. Now, obviously, if, if millions of people have congregated in a particular city and there's substandard non-earthquake-proof housing and there's an earthquake in that place, a lot of people are going to die. And, and if it's perhaps a more advanced country and they've taken care of building codes so the housing is better, not so many people are going to die. I mean, does that mean th- that there's more kind of bad karma. Maybe it would mean that there's more sort of bad karma in Haiti than there is in Los Angeles in terms of susceptibility to earthquakes. But still, there's this physical phenomenon of tectonic plates. But now science is puzzled because the matter that they calculate is only 15% of what should be there. You mean in the universe, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 15% is dark energy. Right. 85% of this dark energy of which they cannot know. Right then it stands to reason that that 85% is playing a major role in the 15% energy that is visible to us. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm saying. There are planes of astral and mental, which is non-physical, 85%. We don't take them into consideration and calculate only the 15%. Right. So that's why I say there's a proof that there are reasons beyond the known, just causing the known havoc. I'm just talking on the physical level. Right. What's the mental level? Yeah, no, I have no problem with that. I'm, I, I think that what we see is just the tip of the iceberg and, you know, that there's a whole lot of stuff going on that's in, influencing the visible level. Yeah. So that, but if we study the manif- how the universe manifested, there's a process called involution of the source of the spirit in denser and denser levels of matter. Mm-hmm. That's called involution. So during involution, there is evolution of matter and devolution of spirit. When I said infancy, I mean we have just finished that involution. Mm. And now we are just coming out. So when we are coming out, the evolution of spirit and the devolution of matter, but we take forever to show results. So that is why we are showing so much of incapacity to handle the planet mm-hmm. as 
species on the earth, our job is to handle the planet for the best possible results of everybody inhabiting the planet. Mm -hmm. That's our responsibility. Right. Animals don't do it, the trees don't do it, <laughs> but we are not doing it properly because we are in, in the infancy and the poverty of consciousness is we act in a way that is detrimental. And I can even explain why you what is the symptoms of this infancy? The symptoms of this infancy is that we, our principles, there is a portion of us that dies, which is self-evident, death. There is a portion of us that does not die. Now, if I cater more to the portion that dies, temporarily, right. and for the portion that does not die, I am being an infant. Mm -hmm. in my priorities. So when my priorities are misplaced, all the energy, the intelligence, the intention is there, but it's in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So we don't get the results that we should see the proof. We put a lot of watering and a lot of harvesting, but if the seed itself is barren, you're not going to get the proof. So, so much of energy is going, people are working hard, really hard, not lazy, but the outcome because the energy is focused on the perishable part of their constitution, hmm. it is temporary and ignoring that which is very important and that is ignored, and that is called infancy of evolution, just caused because of the infancy of evolution. So, I can still hear you, I had to step away for a second. Um, so, I, I think you're suggesting in what you just said, the solution to the problem you laid out earlier, uh, you're suggesting perhaps that, you know, the way to more effectively deal with these energies which are influencing us and to, you know, diminish this polarization which is tearing society apart is to shift our priorities and put more attention on the, the subtler values and, you know, not so predominantly on the obvious physical values, correct? It's not going to happen because people cannot be just told, be told forever. There's right, right. It's not, being ha not happening. We have to do it differently. The difference is to calm down the hot spots we feel are far away and we don't have to attend to it urgently. Those are like the volcanoes we see in Iceland. Yeah. Calm down the whole of Europe. Right. Visibly, but we are invisibly having this volcano all the time, round the clock. Mm -hmm. Don't realize that because, we, as I said, our focus is not on that bad metaphysics, on physics. So we have to cool down the source of the polarizing energy in the name. How? Yeah, I'm coming to that. Oh, okay, it's good. <laughs> now, I am a TM teacher, so technically I'm supposed to only propagate TM. Oh. But I say yeah. the world conditions are such I can't wait for that. Right. Now I'm telling you something that maybe you not edit out, you're going to edit. Not necessarily. I'd rather yeah, not. It's a lot of trouble to edit. We should, we should just keep going if we can. Okay. I reveal something rather than tell. Uh -huh. I was at Maharishi, India in the 80s. He asked me to become a Siddha teacher. Right. Set up a course for me in Delhi and Rishikesh. And we had long talks and we talked in the same language, you know, Urdu and Hindi. Right. So he 
told me that you are in a Muslim country, you know, Pakistan is not easy. Right. If people, and I have his words also mentioned it, if and when you find that they are intractable, not open, you know, because of certain blocks, you are free to teach them in their own culture and religion. Uh-huh. And I did. So I'm just saying to the kindness come, we should understand that in emergencies, we don't go by established protocol and rules that worked in the past. If a person is gravely ill and a surgery is called for, there's a sur- surgery needed. You don't just keep on hoping he'll get well by this treatment. So I think the time has come globally when we need a surgical operation. Mm-hmm. And I propose that we reach out to people, teach them how to relax in their own culture so that they are comfortable continuing with the breath. Mm-hmm. Only today by chance or yesterday I got in the mail 10 CDs from a Swami in Rishikesh based in Minneapolis, Swami Veda Bharati. Eight of those CDs are Christian meditations and two are Islamic meditations. And he is a Hindu. He sent me, I've got the CDs with him. I'm just saying, he has realized that time has come when it's too dangerous to delay mm. and to just go by what routine you've been asked to follow. Mm. So, I suggest that well-wishers of world health reach out to the Muslims and very rapidly they will take to a meditation compatible with their own thinking and belief systems rather than resist it and fight it. And this is what I propose. Hmm. Allah meditation. Name could be called Allah meditation Uh and it works. Quran is full of wonderful phrases. Arabic is a very rich language Mm -hmm. in spiritual energy. The Sufis have used Quranic mantras very effectively. I had a Sufi friend he wrote out a list of appropriate mantras, Quran, and I used it. So in the in the Quran, they have mantras which are like uh, Hindu mantras, where it's meaningless sounds, or more like little verses and things. No, they've got all types of mantras: huh. small, big, large, quotations. Uh-huh. It's a very rich uh, field of effective vibrations improved also in their own way. The Sufis have demonstrated the validity of the mantras by their own lives. The Sufi master I had in Pakistan, he demonstrated to me, I had experiences, I had experiences through him, which we can talk about some other time. He followed the Quranic injunctions in a different way. Sure. And it was a Sufi. So it's possible. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. As a matter of fact, there's a Sufi master who spends about half the year here in Fairfield, Iowa now. Uh, his name is Effendi and he's from Turkey and he has quite a following. I mean, they have, they bought a house and, you know, they pack this house like every single night and he, he answers questions until all hours. Um, so, and, you know, in my own orientation, I mean, you know, I was a TM teacher also, uh, for many years and, you know, we were sort of taught to believe that TM is the most effective thing and everything else is fine, but not so effective. It's more like a distorted remnant of some previous revival of knowledge and so on and so forth, and that everybody should really ultimately learn TM. And these days, I really have a more, you know, liberal attitude. I, I just sort of feel like, you know, God or divine consciousness or whatever you want to call it is is really universal. And 
is expressing in all sorts of different ways. And there are all kinds of people in different traditions and from different backgrounds and orientations who are really blossoming in their spiritual understanding and development, and no one has a monopoly on it, you know? Um, so in a sense, when, when you say, you know, we should go and teach the Muslims, I wonder about the practicality of that, because any kind of outside group coming in and trying to make any significant impact on them, it, it's probably going to have to come from within, you know? Yes, that is why if we collect people and explain that the tensions are the stress level not in evilness or badness of a person. When you stress a good person, he becomes not so good. Right. When you unstress a bad person, becomes he better. becomes a good person. Right. By nature, we are good. Yeah. Every Muslim is that nature as good as you and me. Sure. Stresses upset the system. Mm -hmm. So if that is explained and they become teachers and they pass this on, who knows? It can work. Yeah. Once the temperature goes down there, you'll automatically find our good nature reasserting itself. We come out of this hole. But if we don't plug the source, we're going to have more of what we are witnessing today. Yeah. No Obama or no, or no Congress also. Because they are we're all victims. Normal people are doing things that surprise us. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now, are you suggesting that um, you know the Muslim population of the world is is kind of the the primary culprit here in terms of the the disharmony or the tension or, or the negative energies? Are you just using that as an example? And there are also many many other things that we might use as examples. Again, there are always deeper reasons for why this is happening. Uh huh. I want to spend a few words on that deeper reason. Sure. Though there is a karma of an individual, there is also national karma. Mm -hmm. Nations have a karma. If a nation does something, and though that something ended, doesn't mean the outcome is ended. The perpetrators of that might have passed away, but the karma of the nation will be felt down the road. Sure. Take the civil war oh. as an example. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, one can speculate that some actions we took in the past as a whole, I mean, not talking of where of a nature that we can expect a backlash down the road. We don't know from where, how, what. But things done harm large numbers cannot be forgotten by nature. It's a law, I mean, it's a law. Right. You can't avoid it. Now, there are two or three things we did in our infancy. But infancy doesn't mean that we are not guilty. Nature doesn't calculate that because we are infants, we will escape the laws. No. The laws are uniform. The way we handle the American Indians, for instance. Good example. Millions. Harshly taken away, culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Now, when a person or a group is dealt with in that way, they are traumatized. You know, trauma is very common when you uproot a person and put him somewhere and say, this is the way it is, traumatized. Yeah. And millions of people were traumatized, went to the death in a traumatized state. When they are born again, the seeds of that trauma will take off from the day to end it previously. It doesn't dissipate or decrease. Thousands of years can pass. Seeds never decrease. Right. They are born with the traumatized, so they don't know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. They are traumatized. They will collectively have an instinctive, because their infancy of evolution for revenge. Because that's a natural tendency of life. Mm -hmm. They are present, somebody is there, you say, I want revenge. Because right. we are in the infancy 
are nowhere near what Jesus Christ preached to turn the other cheek. Right. So we are Christians or Muslims all told to behave properly and if we don't because we are in the infancy of consciousness and we are poor in that context. Mm. So we behave in an unnatural manner. So I'm just speculating that when these traumatized groups are formed, they contain within themselves in the unconscious a memory of a certain dislike of a certain group and very soon it shows it. Mm. I'm just speculating that not that the present community talking of transmission of traumatized states of consciousness at death are resumed when the time of the reach. That's one area we can speculate because the last group. Yeah. The other rank is the slave group. Absolutely. So millions were taken away mm-hmm. and made to work and the slave. There's another area when they are born, traumatized state, they died, they didn't see what American Indians, I mean, they are seeing now. They are seeing those days they died in a traumatized state. Mm-hmm. They will also carry that feeling of not liking what they saw. Right. So, what I'm saying is this so-called hate we ascribe to the present population is near, could be merely agents of our own karma. Mm-hmm. So, blame somebody is on the surface level valid, but invalid on the interior levels. Right. So, other processes are required to deal with what is causing the interior problem. Mm-hmm. Outer problem, use force, put them down. It's necessary because we don't know any other. But the real reason could be very different. Yeah. And a third, before I end, I'm sure. wrong, the atomic thing. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Better of us, 200, 300,000 were civilians were pride, you know. Right. Their trauma, you can imagine, they will not be born. So who knows? We've got vast numbers of people who are will be born with an innate instinctive dislike of us. And it will show itself over time. Yeah. And it's not only us. I mean, you could think of many examples. I mean, the Germans killing the Jews and Stalin killing 20 million Russians and the Turks killing the Armenians. I mean, there's so many. It goes all on and on and on. On and on. So all that poison, but we will not recognize the underlying. We say, oh, he's a bad guy and we are the good guys and we must fight. That's true because we are in the infancy of our consciousness. We will do what instinctively we want to do. Yeah. But the long-term solution is not that. Understanding of the underlying causes and dealing with those causes. And I have some ideas on that, but that can wait. But this is the causes and function. Yeah, we can get into that too. Some people speculate that, you know, the killers become the killed next time around, and that's how they work out. And that's essentially what you're saying, but it could very well be that, you know, I mean, it's, it could be a very touchy thing to even say because people, yeah. people would <laughs> resent, you know. <laughs> so Because COVID judges have passed on. The nation has to receive the outcome of that. Yeah. Huh. Another point opposite is also happening. We are getting very smart children being born here. Very advanced thinking. They are born with growth of unifying. They can't understand what is this conflict and lack of peace and discord. The indigo children they are called. Oh, right, but yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. One actually that this group that is at present coming in, the origin could be to be original Egyptian civilization, a very high order. To read the literature, they are the Europeans who left Atlantis before it collapsed mm-hmm. because they knew what was to happen. They took their best cream 
and founded the Egyptian civilization which had no infancy. It was a decline from the day one because they were the top people. Mm. So this speculating case, time has come when we require that type of consciousness to elevate, accelerate our, get us out of this infant, infant approach to our present problem. They will deal with it differently when the time comes. Mm. Yeah, it could be. I mean, some of this stuff seems a little theoretical to me when we say, okay, well, the, you know, the Atlanteans went to Egypt, I don't know. But one, no. th one thing that, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That civilization was of a high order, and if we are going to replace our present difficulty, require a consciousness of that order. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, and what does seem to be happening, from what I can observe, is that there's there's a sort of evolutionary force that is building momentum and that you know as you say some really remarkable people are being born as perhaps you know representatives of that force or people who can people who can have a, a major impact uh, yeah. because of their level of consciousness and I kind of have gotten the sense that you know all these spiritual teachers and teachings that have been in the world for the last few decades and have become more and more popular are, it's not that transformation wouldn't happen without them, but it's that they're doing their best to sort of grease the wheels or make the, make the process as smooth as possible, uh, as, as to, to minimize the trauma that is, would otherwise happen if as much preparation as possible hadn't taken place. Um, so, and you know, we, you and I and many other people we know have all been participating in that transformation as best we can, you know, preparing ourselves to be more fit instruments of, of that evolutionary force. Uh, and, you know, there's no, I, I, you know, that's, that's my point, essentially. You can respond to that if you want. Yeah, no, that is, but I, I have some ideas on the ground. Uh -huh. Not to, tomorrow, for instance. <laughs> Not tomorrow in time, but near future. Today. Yeah, it seems like this polarization has caused our constitution to come under, under, under water like the, you mean the government's con the U.S. Constitution or our Constitution as a person? American Constitution. American Constitution, okay. It's an inspired document. Right. Well, you know that it's for this purpose, but it's coming under strain because the implementers, I told you, are not inundated with that energy mm -hmm. that makes it difficult to follow that Constitution. Mm -hmm. And so they prepared to cut corners and to take shortcuts and do whatever it takes, you know. I have in mind, because the capacity of the people in charge is not up to, not because they are bad, because of that polarization recently, they will not be able to implement the constitution in a manner that is beneficial to the majority. It can't happen because that, that, that thing is not there because of poison that is absorbed unknowingly but it's reflected in the action but they don't know where it's coming from. Right. I have... In other words, the government can't govern effectively. It's it's paralyzed by all and this. Blaming them is no again. Blame appears appropriate, but it's no use. No, I'm not blaming them. I'm saying the whole thing is just so yes. bogged down now. Yes. Because of this clogged by energies of which they don't know they are taking in, and it's reflected in the thinking and in the attitudes everywhere. Yeah, you could fill the whole Congress with geniuses, and you'd still no, they'd, they'd still get stuck. Yeah, because the election process doesn't throw off the best people. Right. Those are the best persons who can speak well, who can get money well, right, right. who can impress well, 
and get elected. That's the system. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change overnight. So I have an idea uh -huh. how to recruit all the unutilized potential of brilliant people who are not in the public domain. What's that? As that is, we the people starting the constitution. The time has come to have we the people on the ground by a party that has no political force, it needs enormous power because it charges one dollar a month to be a member. Everybody voting age can join that party. <laughs> one million. You will get 20 million a month. With that money and that numbers, we have enormous power without clouting anybody. We don't have any power post or anything. Best brains locked up in our universities, in our research labs, who we hardly hear of, they can come forward and give their expertise to this party, one dollar a month to fund it. We can make the best knowledge available to every household, DVD and tapes, top-notch knowledge. Every household will get a free copy. If certain anti-social corporations or businesses or practices are noticed, we can file a class action lawsuit, which you and I cannot do, but we can do it collectively on behalf of we the people. There are endless possibilities. We can boycott certain warn people, we tell them, we can boycott legal, make it happen. So I'm saying the time has come when the two-party system requires a, a sort of watchdog, not in any setting them down, bringing them to the duty call for the constitution. The people will have ample funds to not have power. We will see that the power is properly meant for the majority. My idea for the immediate future. <laughs> How can be done requires a lot of thinking and feeling, but this is what is missing, is the voice of the people not being heard because the people who are supposed to make it happen have been inundated with energies that they can't cope. There's, there seems to be a sentiment rising more and more, you know, along these lines. I mean, people are, you know, perhaps the Tea Party thing is a symptom of this, but, you know, I don't know if that's an ideal solution, but people are more and more kind of frustrated with yeah, the... the so groups. But yeah. Let it be a party which legalized. Just like the Democrat Party, the Republican, the People's Party legalized, got a financial, got a manifesto, got a constitution, just like any other party. One dollar means anybody will be happy to do that. We collect the best brains. So what will happen is the talents of this country that are required to get us out will be tapped. It's not being tapped now because the system doesn't permit it. You can't get elected unless you have and even if you're elected you can't get your way because there's so much of polarization. Yeah. When there's no polarization when a group meets with no pressure and the best brains are put in different areas of consciousness, education, politics, health, every area will get the best people, make give them the time and prepare the tapes and let the whole nation have the benefit of the collective wisdom of the whole nation, and that's we the people. I can tell that you worked with Marishi for quite a while. <laughs> this, this is the kind of idea that he came, would come up with, you know, and the natural law party he had. And, uh, yeah, they stood for politics. I want, once you bring politics, then you're polarizing. Yeah, this is more grassroots, you're saying. This is... No, this is everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Even the president can be a member of our party. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, he'll appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, what? 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, there are, there are groups like moveon.org and, you know, yes. things like that where... Yeah, but now we want more organized, structured, legal, or that will come through this first party. Yeah. It has no power outwardly, but inwardly has all the power. Huh. That's what's needed. Maharishi said, for immortality, you've got to have change. And yeah. This so this change will come with be the people, and it will be a very strong energy in the field. I have another idea, it equally can be implemented quickly, uh-huh. to relax the people en masse. Actually, PM should really, to be very frank, go out to anybody who wants to learn security. Mm-hmm. That would be ideal. Right. If it does not happen, that's not, don't want to get into that aspect. I say, if the people's party is formed, I would immediately create thousands of small, what we call islands of peace, small structures manned by one trained person it will give quietness and relaxation in any way they want because the internet is flooded with sufficient information for relaxation. the internet, mindfulness and so many processes are available. People's party would immediately make tapes mm-hmm. and every island of peace which is a small structure, even could be a trailer. Before going to work, a person would get off, sit there for 10-15 minutes, cubicle of his choice, hearing what he would like to hear to slow him down, yeah. get his out of his family home and he takes it to his work and the work stresses him on the way back. He spends 10 minutes in an island of peace, scattered all over, walks into it, slows himself down into a better mood and goes home and doesn't fight him or doesn't get upset. But this I would do immediately as a counter to the stress without mm-hmm. organizing available there. Anybody can catch on and say, oh, I felt great today. Another friend would go there and no it's free, no charge to sit and listen to whatever appeals to All are there to slow his metabolic rate down, mm-hmm. make him relax and send him home. The whole nation will immediately calm down. Yeah. A lot of polarization will effectively counteract it here. Not there. Yeah, these are good ideas. I mean, and when I listen to you say them, part of me feels pessimistic. Part of me feels like, well, yeah, but this is a huge thing to organize and, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, and so on and so forth. But part of me feels optimistic because yeah. I feel that in a way this stuff is already happening without so much central organization, but there's just this. This kind of um, but, but all over the all over the country and all over the world, there's there's huge numbers of people who are becoming interested in this sort of thing and who are organizing in groups and participating in practices and yoga and meditation and all kinds of stuff. So it seems to be happening by some unseen organizational force, as it were. There's a plan. Yeah. In America, when you have the people's party, you'll find it being imitated all over the world. Yeah. Because the leaders, they will say, oh, this is good for America, it's good for us. When you have islands of peace here, we duplicate it all over the world. Uh-huh. So we lead the world in consciousness rather than trying to be number superpower in the outer forms, which is a struggle. Yeah. See, this concept that we should be leaders is now misplaced. You have to be, have the best economy and the richest this and the most millionaires and billionaires. Right. No, we have the highest quotient of consciousness. We will lead the world and that will be our destiny. Destiny of America is to lead but in areas that are fruitful and necessary for the future of humanity. Not so much 
I'm getting more and more. The American dream here, I say, has proved a handicap now what was a help in the past. Right. American dream is an icon, requires an upgrade so that the focus changes. It's a real icon. You're born with the concept of the dream. It's outplayed its utility. Following it now is not paying dividends. Mm. I say the People's Party will upgrade the American dream, give it a new focus and the whole nation will move. So many things can happen if we are having this simple concept of a powerless party in great power. Mm -hmm. This is what Maharishi and others have said that the energy of the universe is very silent, all powerful. Right. And we the party will be symbolize the energy of the universe, need power without hurting or harming him. Do you feel uh, confident that things are going to change for the better and that this sort of thing is going to manifest? Or do you sometimes feel pessimistic and that it could go either way and things could get really bad? Because, you see, we are intelligent beings. We are told that when we have difficulties, the intelligence is the best job. If we are going to get out of this, we have to change our sights of priority. That's not easy. Otherwise, we sink deeper in the hole we are digging ourselves. Every day you see we are clogging up the system. We can't get legislation passed. Right. Maybe it's not good legislation, but nothing gets going. It's clogged with the energies coming from abroad. Yeah. Not local energy. People put blame the locals. They are picking up energy they are not aware of. And I explain in the Well, I don't know. I, I sort of think that we're contributing our fair share to the energies too here in this country. Yeah. You can't, can't just blame them. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. like if there were nobody else living on other continents, the U.S. would be utopia. Yeah. No, no. We, we are, <laughs> and I told you that karma when it catches up. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that be another episode to head on. You don't know if you're meeting it now or the future. Huh. Nature has its own character. Yeah. You don't know. The price. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but um, do you, is there anything you could say about your own kind of uh, journey, that, not, in, not in terms of things you did, but how your inner life changed over the years, how your perspective changed, you know, from the time bef perhaps before you got interested in spiritual things and then suddenly you woke up to that interest. I have to plug my headphone and the battery is going dead. Hang on one second. Is there anything you could say? I know it's your tradition not to talk too much about yourself, but I think people would be interested in hearing your story in terms of how your inner experience grew through your spiritual practice. Okay. Now see, as a Rastan, you must understand, is brought up on three precepts from birth. Good thoughts, good deeds, and good words, you know. Mm -hmm. And what has happened... I can hear you. Yeah. What has happened is the community has prospered three precepts. They're not bogged down with much theological, ritualistic. There are. These are the fundamentals, and by and large, it serves served us very well. There's no poverty, there's 100% literacy. My education was funded, children's education was funded, our health is looked after. I mean, we're all doing well because of that, that cooperation within the community of Good Park. But what has happened is, because the community is prospering, again the same attention to the other requirement is not so evident in our community. Uh -huh. Evolution requires good thoughts to become better thoughts. That's the idea of evolution. It is required by time. But the community as a whole is not moving in that effort to become better and the best. They think good is good enough and that's true up to the present. So they're just enjoying that prosperity and they've kind of lost and their priorities. Very good people and I enjoy it. But for few people who are not 
putting into that mold, they have to look outside the community to satisfy that aspiration. Mm-hmm. What happened? So that was my case. That though I was very grateful to be born into this community, which is very well founded and run properly, but then we look elsewhere. And in that search, we start to get involved in movements, people, philosophers that are not springing from the religion in which I was born. Right. That search then, because luckily I was in India, in that part of the world, a seeker does not have to travel far to get some exposure to this fulfilling his urges, you know. Right. Of sorts. There's a lot of variety in this. In my case, a gentleman being a civil engineer, I was on projects. Mm-hmm. I was on a job, a good company, well satisfied. Out of the blue, a gentleman walks in, a, a, a Zoroastrian by the way. He looks at me and he says with intent, you need to leave this job to come work with me. Now, the blue, never met him. Something clicked. I had no thought. He out of the ordinary and I did leave my good job. He jumped into his office on an unknown job. And it paid off in the sense that he then brought me together with teachings and he had himself been in ashrams and all. He was also one of the two who couldn't fit in, you know. Mm. So he, I don't know what movie that is, but to this day, I'm very much obliged to him. But that was the start. Then it took many twists and turns. And once you start, then those move from station to station. But to me, the master was a turning point because I had one peak experience and uh, again I say Islam capable of duplicating to their followers that experience and the last 10 days of the month of fasting you know there's a month of fasting 10 days I used to keep a retreat and the Sufi saw gave me a place in his mosque and curtained it off and gave me a Quranic mantra to repeat non-stop so I had a very illuminating experience I wrote about this so could you talk about it a little bit yeah, that experience peculiar because I found we have a ruler within us who is never making itself known to us for some reason. A ruler? A ruler, yeah, a real oh. ruler. Huh, what, what sort of ruler? Coming to that. Okay, sorry. Okay, suddenly I began to feel different and that ruler, the very real, you might say what you like, the moment the ruler came, I saw my mind shrinking, standing in a corner, just like my hand or leg don't move if they are not used, they are motionless. My mind was visible. Here's my mind, here's my hand, here's my legs, and I am the, become the ruler. Then I found the qualities I had then surpassed anything I ever imagined, and what Christ said became a reality. At that moment, somebody wanted anything, I just no difference at all. I'm, there's no difference. So li- I written there is the lion came, all I do is just pat it and say, okay, now be quiet, don't bother me. The lion is not here. Mm. Absolutely 180 degrees turn in the consciousness. Mm. And I wrote about it immediately, two, three days later. So this is what happens when this transformation takes place, but this is the point. It's a peak only. You can't stand on that peak because your past will catch up. And I recognized that when I became a member in the same year this happened of the Theosophical Society. Then when I read the literature, I did not hanker for that experience or regret not having it. I knew 
Okay, that was just indicated of our ultimate destiny mm -hmm. down before. I present have to do many more things to make that permanent. So left it aside. Will be the Sufi master for many months, working things out. I met him afterwards. It was not the same relation, my own way. Mm -hmm. But that experience was an indicator of what every human being will one day experience down the road, mm -hmm. not today or tomorrow. Down the road, the ancient wisdom gives the timetable for that and how to do it and things. Mm -hmm. So I went that direction, founded a lodge in Lahore and continued with that service message for this general mm -hmm. service. Service. It's interesting, that, it's interesting that you use the term ruler to refer to this thing that awoke because... Um, but but would you say it wasn't something that came from outside of you to rule you? It was more your inner ruler, right? Suddenly, I felt different. I felt totally immune to death, immune to disease, immune to anything solid. Right. If I would had that consciousness, I would still have it today. But it was, right. I knew I can't retain that. So I had to attend to my karma and so to get back to that when the time comes. And would you agree that it, it wasn't that you were physically immune to death? I mean, if somebody shot you with a gun, you probably would have died. But that you were more so, you were kind of identifying with a deeper level of life that is immune to death. No, no, not the smoking. If I'm shot, I will still have an unbroken perception of my consciousness. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In other words, you were not sort of identifying with the body so much. You were identifying with something. Prepared to be eaten up. Or cut off, I still be the ruler would still be me. I right. would still have all things intact. So immortality, in and out of physical, is a definition of an unbroken perception of one's existence. Right. Is a ruler. Yeah, I, I understand. I and uh, I mean, aside, despite the fact that you didn't maintain that experience fully, did you feel transformed afterwards? Even now, even to this day, did you feel that there was? It, yes. it changed you somehow in, in a way that never went away. Yeah, like you know, when you get major earthquakes, you get tremors after that. Yeah, yeah, go on for quite a Then the tremors come off out of the blue. I get back a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I not focus on that at all. No. Because I, I know ancient wisdom as a very, very well marked routine to follow will take you there. So rapid, it's not so spectacular. But it's the way, because it's right. the accumulated wisdom, not a one person or two person of all the sages down the ages mm -hmm. is the age. So are you, is a, from your perspective, do you think it, do you see it as something that you might, you know, achieve many lifetimes from now or next lifetime or five years from now or, or what? Actually, this is, they say, fully enlightened, even then you pass seven lifetimes working out your old karma. Enlightenment doesn't mean that the old past is washed away. Right. In the present moment, the past always have to clear. Yeah. That is seven lifetimes, even for a highly developed, uh -huh. so we have misfortunes, we have setbacks, all caused by the past. He handled it better because he has better ability. Right. But it will come. It will come. So, has to be. so is, it, is this lifetime number one that you're working on now <laughs> of the seven or <laughs> maybe it's number three? I am what is called in the outer court. Then you just put the door opens an inch and you put a little one toe inside. Right. This is this one toe in and one toe outside. <laughs> outer court. We are yet to enter 
There's a lot of literature that tells you the stages, and we are studying a book that's now called Light on the Light, Voice of the Silence, Madame Blavatsky's mm-hmm. book. Right. And it tells you the different stages of Hall of Ignorance and Hall of Ideation and Illumination and Initiation. It goes into all that. Mm-hmm. So, one can see for oneself. We are way out in the preparatory stage. Uh-huh. That's soon you know, who enter in the preparatory before you get into class one. So, it's preparatory all this. <laughs> Was Madame Blavatsky herself kind of at a, a more final stage, or did she herself say that she was, in a sense, a, a beginner that was still had a lot to go through? This is one thing with Theosophy is it's not personal. Uh-huh. The focus is not on personal growth. Right. She was highly accomplished occultist, having associated with adepts in the past, and they selected her to be a messenger of the ancient wisdom. Uh-huh. Like she fought against ridicule and calumny because vast energies were against her. Right. She thought something radical. She tried to clean up the religions, take off all the stuff that's always dangerous. Yeah. She has her own. She didn't care about herself at all. This is one philosophical hallmark. They are not so much involved, so much spread and make it available and explain so that others, because the motto is your religion higher than Higher than truth. Yeah, that's the motto of your... That's, you a, know, good, that's a good motto. <laughs> the LCC Church in Japan, which church? Liberal Catholic Yes, yes. Yes. Ex National Secretary of the Philosophical Society was there on the twenty second to inaugurate some things for some ceremony. Educators are members of the church. A lot of the church people are members of churches. Right. Jeffrey, he was there in person. Good. Last yeah, I remember time. hearing that there was some connection like that. Yes. So, yeah. so um We've been going on for just about as long as we usually go on in, in these interviews. Um, is there anything that you feel that is kind of important that we've just gone around or we've gone over too quickly or we haven't covered that, that you would like to say? No. I would like to hear the ones in the mind that one suggestion I give. So that's the immediate need is to form this group collectively to strengthen the national function. Okay. That's the important need of our Good. So, some capable person talks to it, another person, it might create some response, practical, and things could get going. But I think without that, we will be deeper in the present situation we find ourselves. Do you have a website? So they could, people could contact you through that if they wanted to? No, not directly. Oh. Because uh, that is contained by our, I'm very poor in but a lot of our laws information and uh, my tapes are there, interviews are there, my tapes are there, you can hear it. Okay. What happens after grow or perish is another CD there is, that tells you higher state of consciousness. But I want to say one few words last, if you don't mind. No, fine, please. There's a misconception about this phrase, higher states of consciousness, mm-hmm. and we clear it up. And the reason why we need to clear it up is that most meditations, most, because we cannot aspire to more deeper, Cater to the physical well-being of us immune system. Even today, the Guardian has a long article how it helps in depression. Right. Guardian, I thought it, I might send it. It's great for the physical. But people we have been meditating 40, 50 years. Theoretically, the higher states have talked about us. You know what? Exhibit it for a fundamental reason. Evolution is not monolithic. It's physical, physical, mental, emotional. 
I like that point, actually, because I've seen many examples of people that seem to be fairly advanced in in, in one line of one line of development, but really quite, you know, in need of of growth in some other line of development. There, there can be a that is the limitation of meditation because we are in infancy of consciousness. We can't have meditation that is going to be down the future. Then we have a different thought. Then we are well developed. Have that meditation. Now this meditation is to make your immune system stronger, to take out the stresses, to make you focus better. That's what it does. It's not theoretically higher states. We are talking of all the time. Because the emotions are not being catered for. Yeah. So, is there, in saying this, do you um, wish to offer some prescription that people could follow to have a more complete development? Or are you just saying that, you know, be content with what you're doing and somewhere down the line you'll find something more advanced? So, most people, if you talk of, it is like a three legged stool. Meditation, relax you, strengthen your immune system, study, preferably the ancient wisdom and service. These three, and what happens is, Ideas that we have to serve other person, I tell you, a person is going to serve more the personality than other What will happen is your ideas will begin to have ideas in you, ideas, you know, more than what helped you in the past, which satisfied you at a lower level. When you have sufficient ideas, your desire will elevate to aspiration. How do you have desire? I have an idea, I want this. And then you fulfill the desire and you feel happy. Then you feel I want more because you're not satisfied. You can never be satisfied with desires. Right. So you keep on fulfilling desires and you feel you try hard and get upset and fail and this and that. When you have more ideals, more aspirations, then you become altruistic servants. Yeah. So that means you've opened up in your higher nature. That is when the growth really takes place in your personality, your your mortal nature, your perishable nature. Mm. That's 
process of evolution to elevate the perishable part of us so that it's a better instrument of the imperishable part. It's an it's an interesting point because I know some people have this attitude that, well, meditation is a, is a more advanced thing and service is for people who can't really meditate because they're not as advanced. But, you know, I've seen people who've been meditating for decades who, who can very often be quite selfish and immature. And obviously some service would, would be very beneficial in, in developing the heart and, and, you know, making them a more mature, well-rounded person. Yes, you know, then you're not so dominated by desire. Buddha preaches very clearly that desire is the cause of pain. Even spiritual desire is also mental at this point. Not spiritual, but mental. So the mind is not reached that knowing level. Three higher levels. The four lower levels of the mind cater to the logical reasoning. Very important. But without opening up the knowing levels, you can't get the higher energy to your lower personality. Right. And that's the system recommended for this this table. Good. Well, so, it's a good recommendation. All right. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Falia. This has been very enjoyable. And thank you to our friend Charles for, for setting this up and coming, driving an hour across Houston to bring his computer and, and enable us to do this interview. Um, those who are listening to this uh, will, if they come, to, if they go to batgap.com, B-A-P-G-A-P.com, I'll have a, a page up, uh, you know, with the audio of this interview to download, and we'll have a we'll have a link. Polly will provide me some link that you know to a website or websites that he feels would recommend. My yeah, email. we'll set that up. Yeah, we'll set that up. Um, set up my email, then I can get it. The only thing I'm expert at is email. Right. I'll, I'll mess up the whole. Thing. Okay, we'll do that. So. Um, don't hang up yet, but th- I just want to close the show by by thanking you and telling our listeners that you've been listening to or watching Buddha at the Gas Pump. And in case you just are watching and or listening to an isolated episode, it's a weekly show, and there are many more. So you can go to BatGap.com and you'll see them all. There. And you'll also see links to a YouTube page, a podcast, and, and a number of other things. So thank you for watching.